The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Our guest this week is the founder and CEO of a beautifulperspective.com, a media company that is organizing the Emerge Festival, a music event in Las Vegas that will run from May 31st to June 1st and will bring together artists and social change activists. You can find out more about the event by visiting www.emergelv.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Rehan Chowdhury is on the the Break the Business podcast. Hi, Rehan. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing so, so well. I'm excited to talk to you. I've really been interested in how a lot of the indie artists in my universe have gotten a lot more into activism and speaking their truth. And uh, I'm excited to get your perspective on that in the course of this interview. But first, uh, you've done some amazing things in the festival space that have sort of brought you to what you're doing today with Emerge. Can you just sort of walk the listeners through some of your career highlights in this area? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of stumbled into it. Um, I was uh, out of grad school. I was, I was working for um, a casino company called Caesars Entertainment in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And it was at the height of the recession. And we needed to find a way to bring in new guests to the market because our our existing kind of traditional customer was was um, was leaving for, for um, being... I don't know, solicited by competitors, um, the impact of the economy collapsing, et cetera. So uh, in, a, in a moment of desperation, I created a, a food and wine festival with the Food Network to try to see if we could bring in um, uh, visitors on the, uh, on the back of, of the types of entertainment that they were really into. So in this case, food and wine programming. Um, I'd never produced an event in my life, and and we went off the first year, sold twenty thousand tickets, and created a, a successful event right off the back. Um, that opened up the opportunity to create some really interesting lifestyle entertainment programming in the city. So we started um, uh, Atlantic City's first LGBTQ festival, uh, a couple big sporting uh, events that were televised, some stuff in fashion, but not really music during that run. Um, it was in 2010, uh, I got a call from uh, Deutsche Bank, uh, who had just acquired a half-built casino out in Las Vegas that they were finishing the construction on. That property turned into the Cosmopolitan, which is one of the top entertainment properties in the city right now. Um, I love but the I had Cosmopolitan. The opportunity to come out. Yeah, I had, I had the opportunity to go out and design the entertainment program for the property, produce a grand opening, and run the department for the first couple of years. Um, Finally decided to get out of uh, casino work and wanted to dive into entertainment full steam, but wanted to do it from an entrepreneurial perspective. So I wanted to see if my, my own creative ideas could hold up. Um, so I founded a music festival called Life is Beautiful in downtown Las Vegas, um, which just in a few years turned into one of the top festivals in the country, uh, but really pioneered the um, notion that you could bring in more than just music programming into a festival experience. At the time, 
most festivals were just stages in the middle of parks um, with uh, lacking on the experiential side. Um, but that first year, Life is Beautiful, we brought in 30 celebrity chefs, uh, 45 street artists from around the world, 40 speakers talking about social impact issues, and the musician, the musical lineup. And it turned into a really special uh, entertainment experience. Um, so after I, I exited from Life is Beautiful, I, I wanted to double down on um, on creating uh, entertainment programming that matters. So I created a beautiful perspective, which is meant to um, bring together my passion for social impact and social justice work with live entertainment to see if we can do some good through the entertainment programming that we're producing. So that's that's a bit of my background. And you've certainly uh, been up to some pretty impressive stuff in that doing good with your festival space. And I would say among the folks that I've talked to that work in the festival space, because I have a lot of clients in this area, you really have a very unique perspective when it comes to what festivals can do. And I think a lot of that was embodied in a recent article that you wrote for Billboard that was entitled, The Greatest Festivals of This Decade Are Not Festivals, They Are Protests. Uh, talk about what you mean by that. Yeah, so it's interesting. So f- festivals, while associated with the last 10 years of kind of pop culture history, have, have a very um, uh, community-based uh, purpose dating back hundreds of years. Um, so if you, think of, if you think of festivals as, as community gatherings for villages or for different tribes coming together to, to celebrate um, their own existence or their own culture. These were all um, the live experience manifestations of, of, of what was really happening on the ground at any given moment in, in people's lives and their communities. Um, in, in our history in the U.S., that that kind of peaked um, with Woodstock. That was probably the most iconic visual of uh, a few hundred thousand people coming together um, to celebrate peace, love, and music, but also um, uh, really come together around the, their sentiment for the way the, the country should, the direction the country should have been heading at the time. Um, so while Woodstock wasn't an anti-Vietnam protest, it would definitely carry the sentiments of that era. Um, and then following that, we, we saw uh, Live Aid, we saw the Tibetan Freedom Festival, um, and more and more events became a place to to connect around issues that matter um then all of a sudden the pendulum swung swung in the opposite direction so for about 15 years maybe even 20 years um festivals became vacation spots so uh the promoter mantra was uh we try to avoid conflict in our programming we try to avoid tough conversations for two or three days uh, at our festival grounds all is good in the world um, and that was a great attitude to have at the time when consumers wanted it more and more. But the reality is, is all is not good in the world and all is not really not good in the world for certain minority groups. Um, so now all of a sudden, I think tied to millennial and Gen Z desires to bring causes back to the forefront of their career and brand decision making, uh, you're seeing uh, the rise of social impact events again. Um, so on the, on the event side, you see stuff like Afropunk, you see Global Citizen Festival, um, events that are very much rooted in, in real issues that are happening today. Um, but then beyond that, you've all of a sudden seen the biggest uh, 
live gatherings of the last decade happened in the last couple of years with the million uh with the with the women's march with um march for our lives with the pride parades in various cities growing to levels that exceed even coachella's size um so it makes you wonder uh if a protest movement like the women's march has speakers musicians celebrities it has a million people marching they've got merchandise on and they're they're all um uh moving towards the they're, they're all moving to the same beat of the same emotional drum what makes uh what makes the women's march any different from a large festival except the fact that it's probably more impactful um so I, I think what I was trying to suggest in that article is the future of festivals um, can and should and will be uh, the full integration of, of social impact conversations into their storylines. And if festivals don't adopt those positions in authentic ways, uh, people are just going to take to the streets and find them themselves, which they're clearly proven they can do successfully. And you're certainly trying to manifest that very notion in what you're doing this summer with Emerge in Las Vegas. Just to give the listeners a quick summary of what, what's happening with this festival, Rayhan's going to be showcasing acclaimed artists like Andrew Bird and Laura Jane Grace. But in the course of the festival, he's also giving a platform to social activists like David Hogg. It's a local boy down here in South Florida. And I can't help but think that there must have been some consciousness to that choice, Rayhan, to have David Hogg as one of the activists in your event. When I think of Las Vegas and I think of music festivals, we all certainly think a lot about the terrible shooting that happened at the music festival in Las Vegas. And I, I imagine that having David Hogg speak at your event is it has, to, has to have been somewhat of a conscious choice on your part there. Yeah, I mean, every single uh, artist and speaker that we book in this event, any event that we do is very intentional. So there aren't any... There aren't any accidents. Um, in in this case, um, I, I think one of the first comments I get about Emerge is that it's interesting that we're doing a social justice festival in the city of Sin um, in Las Vegas. But I, I think the reality is, is what people don't don't realize unless it's an, unless it's an election cycle is one. Um, Nevada is a swing state in the truest sense. It's a political battleground state. And you, we saw it during the 2016 election. We're going to see it during 2020. Uh, the politicians descend and the issues descend onto Vegas. Uh, but then when you strip away the 40 million visitors that come to the city every year, you've got a community of about 2 million people who represent a large swath of social issues that exist across the country. Um, so from various minority rights issues to immigration rights and reform to gun reform, climate change, uh, LGBTQ rights, all of the issues exist in Vegas. So it's a great um, microcosm of what's happening in the, in the country overall. And, and we think it's a good opportunity to create a, a conversation like this. Sometimes um, we're going to tackle issues a little more literally, right? So in the case of David Hugg, um, uh, joining the lineup uh yeah i mean look the city's still reeling the country's still reeling from the the devastation that one psychopath caused onto what normally would have been a beautiful community event um in las vegas a couple years ago um so having the opportunity to have one of the leading uh activists in the space come to vegas and 
advocate on behalf of gun reform, I think is a huge, huge, huge opportunity, um, especially when that person represents uh, the teenage high school population that um, ultimately created the movement. Um, it's an interesting time. We, we, we went through, I mean, it's been, it's been, God, forever since the Columbine shooting, which was, which happened during the time when I was in high school and to see that, um, high school students aren't giving into fear, but they're taking to the streets to advocate for change is a beautiful thing. So we're excited to have David participate. For sure. And seeing the way that art and activism are coming together in your festival is sort of just a symptom of something greater that I'm seeing throughout the music industry, where a lot of the independent artists that I know, that I work with, that I even serve as an attorney, are becoming more inclined to get into the activism space, to talk more about the issues that matter to them, and are having less of a, oh, I should just keep my mouth shut, like a shut up and sing mentality, and they want to speak out. And I'd love for you to reflect on that. Uh, do you think that artists have an obligation to use their platform for activism? Is it is it something that you would encourage artists to do? Yeah, I mean, I, I think artists should um, lead with what they're passionate about. And I think that um, if they're, they're true to themselves and they're not trying to package themselves up for sellability solely, then the impact's gonna shine through to the degree that they can lead with social issues. If that's an authentic position that they wanna take, I highly recommend that they do it. Um, because like, there's this false notion that you have to be everything to everyone to survive in, in business. But the reality is, 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 and if anything, Nike showed it, it's you have to be everything to a very specific group of people and you have to hope that that audience is large enough to sustain your business. But um, you can't be afraid of, of turning people off on your music, your position, your style, um, because you're taking a stance. But I, I recommend only taking a stance if it's authentic. So in some cases, what the Dixie Chicks did at a time when somebody in the country world needed to stand up and say, look, this isn't Southern values in the White House. This is just, the, this is corruption um, leading towards unnecessary wars. Uh, and we're going to vocalize our position. That was incredibly um, uh, moving and risky for them. And they caught the backlash of it, but it was something that needed to be done. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got Taylor Swift, who hasn't really taken a position uh, publicly on the political stage other than to get people to vote. But when she tweeted about um, uh, encouraging our fans to vote, uh, uh, I think Nashville saw the largest uh, voter registration conversion of any campaign that had been run that year um, for, for her audience. So I, I do think that there are ways to do it without creating conflict, if that's something of interest. Um, I think the thing I try to remind people of is if you think of anti-establishment, um, anti-political establishment um, sounds, like the soundtrack for that movement in the 90s and the early 2000s, it was Nirvana. Mm -hmm. um, but Kurt Cobain never got on stage and gave a keynote presentation about mobilizing young people for social change. That was not his position. It would have been weird if he did, but nonetheless, his music became the soundtrack for the movement. So I think that that's still very much possible. Um, I just think that the musicians need to continue to, to understand what kind of response they want to get from their music. And if their voice and their activism efforts 
helps enhance their 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 creative um production go for it something that you were saying there about you know artists shouldn't have to feel like they're being you know to be they, they shouldn't feel like they have to be everything to everyone and so they should be willing to speak out on the things that matter i think that's doubly the case in today's music industry where you don't need millions of fans to sustain a career anymore you can have a small tribe of very dedicated devout fans who are willing to contribute a lot to support your career and you can have a thriving career under that model and so that new economic model that we're in now is much more conducive to being strong in who you are and finding the people that that message resonates with and not needing to feel like you need just to have casual fans with the entire world be like Nike, yeah, basically yeah Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no. I was just saying, like, there's you know something to be said for that. You know, being like Nike and you know having a strong feeling about something and 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 letting people know where you stand and finding the people who agree with that message. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting. So, like, I, I I think all musicians should take a semester long class in brand management or brand development because um, I, I think it would help them. Uh, one one of the models that 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 you learn early on is is um uh audience who your core audience is and who are the dependent audiences so if you look at nike as an example and and if you were to model this out as as concentric circles um so like the smallest circle in the middle and then each larger circle coming on top of it and around it the smallest circle in the middle is who your core audience is they're going to account for one percent of your total um uh sales your total revenue for the brand but are going to drive the other 99 percent worth of value so for nike that 1%, that center circle, who they focus all of their attention on are professional athletes. If they can get professional athletes to, to stay committed and champion Nike as the product for professional athletes, then the um, 50-something guy in Iowa picking out running shoes is going to end up buying the product because LeBron has adopted it or because their favorite athlete has adopted it, or the fitness people around them have adopted it. So I I do think the same logic applies in music where you have to be everything to your core because that's going to be, those people, as few as they are, are going to be your biggest champions. They're going to be the the people that that create the tipping point where um, the next 99% of your audience is going to get developed off of. Um, But I I think this notion that, that because we live in a digitally open world where the barriers to entry in the music industry don't exist the way they used to that you have to be likable by all and and i think the reality is is you don't you you have to still look at yourself as as curating a room of 300 people for a small show and make sure that those people uh, will talk about you year round great insight i love it i love it and i i i want to just pull this conversational thread with you forever but I would be remiss in not uh, telling the listeners more about Emerge. I, I think there are a lot of folks listening to this podcast where they they love this message. They love the idea of art and social activism coming together. So could you tell the listeners a little bit more about Emerge, how they can take part in the festival, and maybe some ways that it differs more from a traditional music festival? Yeah, of course. So Emerge is a two-day festival and conference experience it's literally blended together into one event um it's taking place in las vegas nevada at the hard rock hotel this may 31st and june 1st 
the format is we have um, roughly 30 musicians and 10 uh, speakers, 10 to 12 speakers who are coming together uh, to cover a wide range of socially re relevant um, impact issues. So we're, we're going to be talking about women's rights, uh, LGBTQ rights, immigrant rights and immigration reform, gun reform, climate change, sorry, climate change, um, and more. Uh, but we're going to be doing each, we're going to be covering each topic through the lens of uh, live musicians and social impact thought leaders on stage together. Um, so Andrew Bird, who's going to be performing and talking about the role that fear plays and embracing fear plays in the, the development of his music, uh, on stage next to Talib Kweli, who's going to be performing and speaking about prison reform and um, uh, uh, the negative impact of the current um, the current prison system and the current um, justice system. The, the I guess the way it fails minority groups. Um, you're going to hear uh, Laura Jane Grace perform and also speak on transgender rights. Uh, you're going to hear uh, David Hogg speak about um, gun reform. Uh, Jose Antonio Vargas, who's considered uh, the nation's most famous undocumented citizen, talk about uh, immigration reform and immigrant rights. Um, and then you're going to hear some great musicians like JID and Lakely 47 and, uh, and, and more. Um, performing uh, around these topics as well. And you can find out more about the festival by visiting www.emergelv.com. Rehan, this has been illuminating, and I'm so excited that you, you're putting this together. Congratulations on your success, but I know you have a lot of work ahead of you, so uh, best of luck with all that. Uh, one last question before we let you go. Do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? You've got to know um, what the goalpost looks like and you have to be able to, to really put yourself there. You have to be able to manifest that um, in, in very real ways. Um, I, think, I think one of the biggest mistakes I've seen in, in artist development, but then it also very much applies to entrepreneurship is when um, the only goal is success. And the vision of that changes based on the opportunity because all the person really wants is fame and success. Um, the reality is, is nobody uh, achieved a high level of success thinking um, I'm going to just go with the flow until it works out. Um, people had a vision for what they could create. I mean, there's still like, if you hear Jay-Z talk about, first introducing Kanye West in the music world they, they were in a recording studio and Kanye was just there to to be a fly on the wall nobody knew who he was he really hadn't amounted to anything yet and I think in the middle of the conversation he jumped up on the table and started spouting off about how he was the greatest uh, hip-hop artist in history and how he was going to change the world and his lyrics were going to save humanity and at the time Jay-Z looked at him and laughed he was like dude get down nobody knows who you are um but the funny thing is, is, is Kanye knew who he was going to become at that early stage. And even in the light, uh, in the face of people questioning that, he, he never relented. Um, so that, that's what I would recommend is, is anyone in the space on a frequent basis, take the time to just stop, meditate, and, and focus on what uh, it is your future self is going to look like. 
where are you going to be? How are you going to behave? What are you going to be known for? What are you going to, what, to the degree of what you're going to be wearing and what the environment's going to smell like. But like, you have to put yourself there. And the stronger that that vision is and the stronger that that goal is, the more likely you are to achieve it, the more likely you are to make the right decisions on a daily basis to get there. Um, so that, that's what I would recommend. That's tremendous. One more time at the website, folks. Visit www.emerge.lv.com to find out more about the Emerge Festival. Thank you so much, Rehan Chowdhury, everybody. Uh, I appreciate you coming on this week. Thank you so much for the support. And thank you all for listening to the Break the Business Podcast.